Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is a creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show, and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, another phenomenal, brilliant mind on the Philippe Matthews Show. Uh, as they say, the Mac is back. It's about to be a Mac attack on this call today. Uh, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, now residing in New York, Ryan Mack uh, is the president of Optimum Capital Management, LLC. His career uh, in equity markets began in Detroit. Uh, as a stock trader and later as a trader for the largest NASDAQ trading firm in the nation, which is known as Knight Securities. Uh, Mr. Mack has been featured on uh, top-rated uh, shows uh, throughout uh, the country and the world, including Tom Joyner's show, CNN, of course, the Philippe Matthews show. Uh, and I was also a contributor of the Huffington Post. And um, he's got a great book out called Living in the Village, Build Your Financial Future and Strengthen Your Community. Without further ado, Ryan Mack. How are you, buddy? Hello, how are you doing? Thank you so much for having me, and thanks for the good work you're doing, sir. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you. So let's get down to some nitty-gritty here, because you are the, uh, I, I consider you like a black Robert Kiyosaki, so you're the guy to come to for financial information. Okay, what's your take on the economy? What are we doing? How do we get out of this situation? What should we do? Well, the, the the economy right now obviously is in a, a sort of like a sideways uh, motion. We, uh, I, I like using the example of if there's a company out there that used to hire 100 employees, they have laid off, let's say 30 percent of their workforce, 30 employees. Mm-hmm. Those remain, those remaining 70 are essentially being asked by that company, and we'll call them Acme Incorporated. They're being asked to uh, increase their productivity. We're seeing productivity levels amongst the current workforce increasing uh, as high as it's ever been. We're, they're being asked that companies using technology. You see a lot of usually when recessions happen, the technology companies are very profitable because people start using technology more resourcefully. And in return for increased productivity, uh, the, the companies are saying, well, you know what, I will give you a uh, 401k match or I will give you additional benefits and maybe a slight raise, a 5% boost, because we're seeing real income from those individuals who are currently working increase not a lot but, but slightly um, if you do have a job. Um, but essentially now, so they're, they're getting additional benefits because the 401k benefit matches are coming back, but that in, they would, the company would rather do that as opposed to hire another individual because it's a lot cheaper than uh, putting another person on the payroll to go ahead and give a person 5% additional benefit. So uh, right, those 30 people who are unemployed right now, that's the problem that we're having a problem with in this economy. A lot of people... Uh, I read a stat the other day that as few as one in one in ten people who are chronically unemployed for the past year 
when mm-hmm. I finally looked again uh, within the next year or so. So we've got a big problem with this. There's this pot of people who are unemployed, and what I've always said, there's only about three uh, things that they can do. One, they can either get retrained going back to school and trying to get, find additional skills where they can get additional skill sets and find employment. They can, two, they can move and relocate. See, a lot of individuals are trying to do that to, to places where their current skill set still has value. Or, three, they can start businesses. And they start their own business to get their own company going. Uh, but all of these things take some time. So, uh, uh, you know, as much as, you know, we, we like to think that there's a quick fix from the government, it's just not going to happen. But the probably the quickest fix is to get individuals out there, starting their own companies, getting retrained, getting back in the workforce. And, it's, again, it's going to take some time for people to get that business plan together and get that get out there and get the amount of capital necessary uh, in order to get that company off the ground, no matter what that business is. Uh, so that's what our job is, my, and what I consider to be my job is to try to inspire folks to, one, manage their money well, as well as to, if they have ideas, to try to put those ideas down from uh, from their mind and put them on paper and they start executing ideas. We've been doing a tour, a national tour called Less Talk, More Action, and uh, we've hit about 13 cities over the past, since October, uh, really just going around inspiring folks to manage their money well, promoting fiscal responsibility, as well as to promote that small business, because that, we do believe that's going to be the driver of this next economic, uh, uh, to, to be sustainable, that small business needs to grow and flourish here in the country. I agree with you. Entrepreneurship is uh, the way to go, and it is the new buzzword uh, or research buzzword for the next 10 years, maybe 20, I think. What do you think? Well, absolutely. I mean, this is the individuals now more than ever have the opportunity. I was just speaking to a group of entrepreneurs down in Austin and uh, talking to them that they are, again, they are the next wave of this new economic revolution. It's going to come from them. If we're going to be sustainable, their ideas have to be uh, given support. They have to do all they can in order to make sure they they uh, to take their businesses to the next level. Um, but you know, some of it, This is the economy right now. The, the, if you have a need, are we in a recession, or are we in a depression, or a new recession, or a great depression? What uh, is the actuality of it? Because it looks like we're in depression number two. Well, the, technically, the, the, the technical definition of a recession is two quarters of negative GDP growth. If you talk to most ec- ec- economists, uh, they'll tell you that most of the country feels like it's in a depression. Uh, I, I would say that we're we are in a recession, even though it's not technically a recession, because most of the folks that I that you're talking to across the country, uh, again, they haven't had any real job, really real wage or, or drop of, of availability in the, in the last decade or so. The spirit of income is growing, richer, getting richer, and uh, the, the top level, the top one percent, I think, over the past ten years have had income growth of over two hundred percent whereas real wages really have been stagnant for quite some time now. Um, so we just saw a stat from between 2007 and 2010, average net worth of households dropped between uh, about 40%. That's uh, uh, according to a study by the Federal Reserve. So we are in a it's a real hot water right now. So mm-hmm. and most mm-hmm. we just don't feel, uh, even before the recession hit, the average household in, two, in 2004 to seven. When we saw the Dow Jones recovering and 
uh, we see the House of Cards that eventually failed, but even before then, the real uh, central, real, real Americans in terms of those who are working class, middle class, did not feel uh, the, the, the blunt of a rising economy, so to speak. Um, and then the economy fell, and everybody went then went went to the uh, to, to, you know went to wait. So it, it, it's definitely a, a, a whole lot coming out for a lot of folks out there. We got a lot of work to do to turn this ship around. Um, talking about that, people have hopes, <clears throat> or at least some people do. Uh, I believe have hopes that the economy will bounce back prior to uh, the you know the real estate uh, um, uh, bubble and, and 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 so on and so forth. Do you see that it will ever go back to the way it was? Are we, or are we in a completely new economic model in America? Well, I, I do think we can get back to the way it was, but it's just going to take some time. I, I don't think it usually takes anywhere it's for, for the recession that we had. It'll take anywhere between five and ten years just to try to get back to that original level. Uh, because again, we, we've got a full pool of individuals out there who need to go back to school just to find a good job. And some individuals are going to school and still can't find a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have to figure out where those jobs are located. You know, we see just above eight percent unemployment rate, but the unemployment rate for those who are uh, in technology is under two percent. Unemployment rate for those who are in various uh, in various fields of engineering is almost zero percent. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are jobs out there, but we just have to be prepared to go and get the right education, to get the right training, to be able to get to those jobs. I mean, we're, we we have moved the, the, the level of economy that those types of jobs are not available any longer. That those that manufacturing jobs, manufacturing is done reasonably well, it does as well as it has since the mid '90s. But again, to get back to where we need to get to get the full employment, four percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not going to happen. When, if you look at my hometown of Detroit, you know, a lot of folks out there trying to wait on the auto industry to come back. Not going to happen. You mm-hmm. know, but there's the industry for health care. Uh, individuals want to get retrained and go into the health care industry, nurses, uh, mm-hmm. a nurse, that's technical assistant, those types of things. Those jobs are there. Those jobs are there for, again, uh, even alternative energy. There's a huge uh, swath of, of, of opportunity Advanced battery manufacturing, a huge swap of opportunity for solar panel creation. I was just in a prison up in Otisville, uh, and they were training a lot of those individuals to get out and to be able to, to help and participate in the manufacturing process with solar panels. Huge mm-hmm. opportunity for individuals who have the capability to, to, to go into that level, to the, that industry, which is growing, uh, but you just have to be able to find that right niche figure out exactly what you're good at, and then pull, pull those two together and figure out how you can get yourself a good job. But uh, some jobs are just not going to come back as fast as we'd like them to. It, it appears that uh, the three options that, that, that you gave us earlier, it, it, it really feels that there's really only two options, and that is either go back and get retrained, which, uh, you know, could take another two to four years. Uh, how realistic is that? We don't know. Or launch your own uh, business or affiliated business in some shape, form, or fashion, which one do you think uh, would be the most efficacious between the two? Well, yeah, it, it, really, it really all depends on the individual. Um, you know, right now uh, you can get a good education 
uh, a lot of these, a lot of this, uh, the president's doing a lot of investment in community colleges. You can, you mm-hmm. can find your, you can find yourself a good education for next to nothing of a price uh, at a good community college, and if you're income eligible, you might even get it for free. Uh, well, and again, if you have a good dream, if you have a good uh, business plan, if you've written down, if you go to the website like SCORE, uh, the SCORE website, or SBA.gov, and uh, got the assistance to get the free business plan uh, through, through templates, uh, you've gone and figured out different chambers of commerce in your area to get support for businesses and using the resources effectively. I mean, I mean, hell, you can write, you can sell some shirts. If, you, if, if someone is able to have a good design, you can go to cafepress.com and you can mm-hmm. sell, sell some T-shirts and don't have mm-hmm. to put any of this dollars down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. sell it, and use your network in order to do those. So it's a, a lot, and then you can collect the money off of square.com by being able to select to, to uh, collect capital by credit cards by just attaching to your Android. So with the revolution of, 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 of it is easier now today to start a business with zero dollars in your pocket than it has ever been before. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we we just have to learn how to use these resources that are put in front of us effectively, uh, and making sure that we're doing and, and we're working at it every single day. I mean, we might have to get a bridge job. You might have to join the ranks of the underemployed. You, you might have to get a not. You might have to get two jobs: a nine to five and a six to ten. A lot of the guys that I've worked with in the prison, I, I say you might have to take that job from your PO that gets you employed from nine to five. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you go home and you work on what your true vision is. And and some individuals who are underemployed, if I can talk to them for a second, I say, listen, you know, at the end of the day, don't look at that current job as a – don't allow yourself to get discouraged by it. If I were to ask you, you know, let's just say I was talking to someone, I'd say, listen, 5,000 miles from here, I'm going to give you all the happiness and all the money in the world that you can fathom. And, you, you, and it's just 5,000 miles away. But you know what? The only way that you can get to this golden egg of, of, of lifestyle and a job and a career, the only way you can get there is I give you the keys to this old beat-up hoopty. And this old beat-up hoopty, you might look at it and you might not want to drive it, you might not want to ride in it, it might not ride smoothest. But at the end of the day, if you look at it and say, you know what, this hoopty is just a vehicle that gets me where I want to go. Then it's a means to an end. You might you might have a little bit more of a positive view, view, viewpoint on that hoopty, and mm-hmm, that's kind of what mm-hmm. I, they might not they might be making next to minimum wage, living check to check, and that job might not be paying them a lot. But is, is it paying you enough to to keep your lights on? Maybe you might want to downsize. Maybe you want to check your budget, figure out different ways that you can try to cut. Uh, if you cut already, try to cut some more. And some people say, Ryan, I'm 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 already cutting bone here. I'm cutting bone, but you know you, you might be able to cut a little bit more. Look at that job, as a, that, that hoopty that's going to take you where you need to go, and then from 6 to 10 when you get home or you're off hours, you're researching and doing all you can to make sure you can create a plan and a strategy together to execute your new business or your new career that you're trying to launch. You know what's interesting is, is that uh, it feels like for the first time actual Americans uh, are the new immigrants coming to this country <laughs> and right. being forced to create something that's never been created before. I mean, well, this is this is this is the society we're in. I mean, if we if we look at the the Great Depression back in the 20s and the 30s, 
we had a society of individuals that were forced. I mean, I think that a lot of individuals who actually lived and worked during those times are turning over in their graves now uh, looking at the level of stress that we think that we're going through. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, look at what we had to deal with back then. Um, because they had to do some things and, and, and work in the places to get dirty and they took any time. You, you, you see pictures and images of individuals who are just clamoring just to be able to take a potato sack and throw it on the truck, you know. And those are right. the type of jobs they can they, they could get, you know. But nowadays it seems as if uh, if we're really real with ourselves, hopefully hopefully we're not uh, 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 hopefully hopefully we're not a little bit too soft skinned. Uh, mm -hmm. But one thing that I've always said is that you show me a hungry person, I show you a creative person. And it might have to take going through something like this in order to figure out exactly what sort of will and spirit we have inside of us to get through. And I do believe we can get it. I do believe that uh, we're going to be successful and we're going to get around this. But we just have to show the world what sort of character we have. And, and, I, and we're doing it. I've, we've seen on this tour, man, we've seen some positive things. Uh, down in Philadelphia, I met a homeless man who also was a, a baker, and I met him on the street, and uh, uh, he was a part of a group that was advocating for the homeless uh, homeless uh, initiatives, and I said, look, I'll be here next week, and he gave me a, his business card, and I was so impressed by his plan and his vision that I gave him forty dollars on the spot. I said, "Listen, if you, I'm buying forty dollars worth of cookies right now for you to give out at my event next week." And he sure enough showed up and had his cookies and had his staff. And this guy is homeless, but the reason he's able to start a business is because he used local resources in this community. He had a, a, a organization that donated a kitchen for for him to be able to cook his cookies. He uh, borrowed. He, he uh, had fundraisers to to raise enough funds, about a hundred to two hundred dollars or so, to get the ingredients. And ever since then, he's able to sell his cookies at enough rate where he can pay for his own ingredients. He has a staff of volunteers that help him out, and his cookies were awesome. But these are the type of. But again, so he's still living in a shelter, but he has a business and used Vista to print the business cards for free. Isn't that amazing? Um, these are the type of stories that I've been seeing all throughout this country. People that have amazed me. The, the, the sister who was up in Minneapolis, uniquely attainable, attainable, who walked away from a cushy corporate job, who has an MBA, to invest her money and time and, and bought a, a, a used bus. And she gutted the bus with her family and drives around Minneapolis still today selling furniture that she's refurbished out of that bus because she had a dream to start her own business, even though she uh, had a cushy job at a, a corporate job. You know, th these are the type of things that I'm seeing, you know, all the way to Milwaukee. That one uh, a, a, a group from Miss Adams who was a part of a movement who took a drug house and they reformed this drug house and they turned it into a, a urban farm. And over years, this, this urban farm, people who were murdered in that house before, uh, but now today this house is a central hub of an inner city neighborhood right in Milwaukee that helps individuals like young, uh, I believe his name was Vincent, who's going to college right now. 
uh, learn about environment and learn about planting. They have a huge peach orchard. They have a bee farm, and they have they, they produce over six thousand tons. I mean, six thousand pounds of uh, of honey every single year. And you know, these are the type of things that we see because people are pulling together and using their resources and they're collaborating with one another to effectively build movements of change in their own in the area. So okay, so talk to me about this then, Ryan. Uh, you know, can uh, there be some major changes within the next four years of, of, of basically any administration? And what's your take on the Occupy Wall Street movement? Well, I, I like the Occupy Wall Street movement. I, I do believe that uh, uh, Occupy Wall Street, uh, I, I would like it to go to that next level. I think that the, the movement by uh, Occupy the SEC uh, in order to create pressure on the SEC, in order to create more fair regulation and, and oversight. Uh, if, it, if, if it moves to something that's more sustainable, like we're trying to get people to vote and register, making sure individuals are getting active and, and really putting their politicians to uh, their feet to task. Um, I, I, guess, I guess the second part of the question is in terms of the policies that we've seen, um, you know, I, I like to consider myself a, uh, I'm a Democrat, and I'm very, uh, I guess I'm a little bit more conservative than many Democrats, but at the same time, as conservative as I, as I think I am, I just don't feel that uh, at the end of the day, uh, cutting taxes and less regulation is the is the only answer. Um, I, I, I don't mind paying higher taxes myself. I, I've always said that. I said, look, if people want to raise my taxes on those who are of high high net worth or, or making over a certain level of income, I don't mind paying higher taxes. I don't mind contributing. I don't think that higher taxes for middle class America is the right uh, strategy right at this point. Um, and, and, I, and again, right now, the only thing that's really driving this economy is uh, essentially um, uh, a lot of support from the stimulus that essentially created over four million jobs in the private sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we've cut almost seven hundred thousand jobs from the government, from the public sector. So government shrinking, private sector is uh, not doing fine, as the president said, or he mistakenly said, as he even admitted himself, but not doing fine. But um, I, I think that we have to just understand that it's going to take some time to turn around, and it already has. It, it really, if you look at the chart and the rate of job loss that we were having, we lost almost 2 million jobs in the first three months of uh, the Obama administration, uh, and then since then the GDP, it took six months for us to start seeing uh, positive GDP growth, and since then we've seen uh, over almost three years of uh, oh, 27 months of 4.3 million jobs straight of growth. So we've seen a turnaround. Mm-hmm. It's not something anyone would like to see. I mean, Lord knows we, we like to, we would love for it to move faster. But I, I just don't think that the, I think that the, the government has done all it can do. It really is down, down to the individual to say, all right, you know what, if I'm going to, you have real stimulus, but the stimulus did what it's supposed to. It's supposed to stimulate the economony. I look at stimulus mm-hmm. spending as uh, my, my grandfather taught me how to ride a bike. He wrote, he, he ran behind me for a while, and he gave me that push. After a while, if I didn't learn how to pedal myself, if I didn't pedal myself, I was going to fall down. 
Mm-hmm. So my grandfather couldn't run behind me forever because he's going to get tired, he's going to get exhausted, next you know he's going to fall down himself. So he couldn't. So that's what the government is. After a while, they, they give you that push. They can't run behind, but then it's up to us, the people, to pedal ourselves in order to make sure that we move anywhere. So, um, I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm admittedly a Barack Obama supporter, and I do think that his policies uh, are a little bit more in line with what we need as opposed to the austerity policies proposed by the GOP are not what this country needs right now because we've seen the results of that. We've seen results of what happens when you just cut taxes. Uh, you cut taxes, you cut spending, and then all of a sudden people start losing additional jobs. The, the economy slows down to a standstill, and then uh, we just, we're just in a waiting game to try to figure out how we can pull ourselves out of it. And mm-hmm. cutting taxes doesn't do anything, but, you know, I've never seen – you know, I, no one's in the middle class, working class has felt the trickle down theory work before, and we saw what happened where it get it before. And I don't think that we need to go back that direction again. Um, the book "Living in the Village." Um, talk to me about that. What is this book about? You talk about uh, uh, you know destructive uh, spending habits um, and uh, you know. Uh, generations uh, of, of poverty and how, uh, you know, we can eliminate uh, genera- generational poverty. Talk to me about what Living in the Village is about. Well, Living in the Village's book is really a book about what we can do as individuals. Um, you know, a lot of times individuals get, get dead set on what the government can do, you know, or mm-hmm. what patients what should do. And this book is not about that at all. This book is about what the people can do. And I truly mm-hmm. believe that power doesn't exist in government. It exists in the people and the ability for the people to be able to pull themselves up and to be able to do some things for themselves. While the government does, they do help individuals, they do help, yes, they do. But the majority of any recovery has to come from the individual. And the book, I wanted to write a financial literacy book that was not like uh, any others that I've read. I'm a big fan of Susie Orman. I'm a big fan of uh, you know Dave Ramsey and Bob Brinker and uh, you know Lee Jenkins. I'm a big fan of these authors, but I wanted to write a book that um, you know that not that showed that there are other examples of individuals out there who've used fiscal responsibility as not only a tool to empower themselves, but it, it empowered other people as a result of the decisions that they were making. Um, and I think that's the connection that we're missing when we're talking about fiscal responsibility. I mean, a lot of times people think that it's for the benefit of yourself, and they'll say, well, why? ask people, why is it important to be fiscally responsible? Why is financial literacy important? They'll say, well, it's important because I want to own a car. I want to start a business. I don't want to work for the golden arches in my golden years, and so on and so forth, things that are really internally. But I wanted to think about it from the village perspective of what financial literacy allows the community to do, how the community benefits from someone who makes wise financial decisions and is able to remove money as an obstacle in their path and moves forward and is able to empower other people. Mm-hmm. And so we get about 13 testimonies in the book from individuals who are millionaires, from individuals who are former gang members, from individuals who are teachers, from professors or uh, people who are a, a couple, a, a married couple, a middle-class married couple, to mean a single parent, all different walks of life who have used fiscal responsibility to overcome adversity 
And that's about 20% of the book, and the other 80% is my strategies on how they were able to do it. And I I think that it's almost like the uh, uh, a lot of individuals have compared it to that chicken soup type book. Mm-hmm. They, they can use, they can read the, and I tell people all the time, I say, listen, just read the, the, uh, the stories, and if you ever have a question about how to buy a home, how to start a business, uh, how to improve your credit, how to eliminate your debt, how to negotiate with creditors, how to budget responsibly, how to avoid financial predators, which is a huge um, initiative that we're creating now. Let's All talk the- about that because that was one of the things that really stuck out that I, I, I said kudos to Ryan um, because uh, nobody's really talking about these financial predators. Talk to us about that. How do you define first a financial predator and then what we can do to to avoid this? Well, financial predator is anyone who wants to create uh, something that's going on at a pace right now that we've never seen before. And there's any company that wants to come into uh, working class, middle class, and more importantly, low-income communities and create products that allow them to capitalize off of the lack of knowledge that people have. I think that financial predators are the greatest people that are trying to make money off ignorance. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with being ignorant. I've said that all the time. I always say it. People say, no, there's nothing wrong with being ignorant. It's something wrong with staying ignorant. If you remain Mm. ignorant, that's the important component that sometimes we allow ourselves to not accumulate the knowledge that's necessary for us to pull ourselves out of certain situations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I know that, you know, Russell Simmons and I have, have, have been, uh, I've been a huge fan of Russell Simmons' work, but he is a, he is a, the strongest, one of the strongest prepaid debit card supporters. Um, so, you know, a lot of people say, well, Ryan, what do you have against Russell Simmons? Absolutely nothing. I think that he's a brilliant businessman. I think he's a huge uh, influence on me as a businessman. But I just don't happen to agree with his action of promoting the rush card because I don't think that people. So talk to, to me about that. So what does a prepaid uh, a card uh, do to uh, an impoverished community? Well, what a prepaid card does is essentially says that, and what what he will say the need and any other prepaid cards that I've on, I've had debates on Fox with the, with Twitter debates with Susie Orman and all sorts, and then now they got the George Lopez and the Lil Wayne card. So what this card does essentially says their argument is that they are catering to the underbanks. Their argument is that there's no other options out there for individuals to get a banking, a a, a coveted Visa logo card, and there's no other way for them to manage their money effectively. This is a way that they can manage their money. They can get the Visa logo. They can now use that where places only, like renting a car or paying for a hotel or something, that they can now use that Visa logo in order to purchase things because they can't, they cannot get a bank account. And the uh, stat that Russell Simmons stated was over 60 million people are not able to get a bank account. And that's just not, it's not factually accurate. Okay, first of all, I have walked to, and I've walked hand in hand almost with homeless individuals with individuals who are formerly incarcerated and been locked up for years. I've walked there with people who have bounce checks and teletext and check cashing systems. I've walked hand-in-hand to local uh, credit unions and to local banks who are part of a joint bank on initiative or might have a second-chance initiative or 
you know, finding the resources in the community that where the prepaid card essentially does is they make you spend money to use your own money. It's not attached to a line of credit. It, uh, after all these fees rack up, you can spend hundreds of much-needed dollars. Those who are low-income, they don't have any additional money to spend or to save, to, 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 to give towards other individuals. Every single dollar is more important. The less money you have, the more money, the more you need to save it, and the more you need to, to really respect every single dollar. So I've been, I mean, I, I, I can't strongly express enough the, the lack of a need for prepaid debit cards. Because essentially what it does, again, it makes you spend money to use your own money. There's secured cards that are other options. There's credit unions that are other options. There's, you can go to bankrate.com right now. You can go to a smarterchoice.org right now and find a credit union. Bankrate.com and find a secured card. And that's what we're actually, we're, we're talking to a few of the banks now to see if they would agree to get us to adopt our version of a, uh, a card that we feel is acceptable that is free and establishes credit. Now, it's not going to be a lot of money in that for the banks. It's not going to be a lot of money in that for them to make off that. But we do feel that it does allow individuals to at least get back in the system because what the prepaid card does is allows individuals to stay out of the banking system. They don't establish credit, and it puts them into a permanent underclass of society, not allowing them to generate and accumulate wealth. Mm. I mean, you interviewed Robert Kiyosaki. How successful do you think someone can be in implementing the principles taught by Robert Kiyosaki if they don't even have a bank account, can't get a loan? That's right. You know, it's, completely, uh, it's completely something to listen to. It's entertainment. It can't be applied. It's useless. So what we're doing now, um, you know, and, and, again, I've been on Fox, so I've been on CNN and CNBC and talking against these uh, financial predators, but we are forming a movement. And it's a movement form. It's going to be a grassroots movement. We've got a lot of folks that we've been talking to, Operation Hope, to uh, National Action Network, to uh, organizations that are financial bloggers all across this country, the CUNA with Bill Cheney, the Credit Union National Association, to uh, organizations all across this country. We are forming a national movement to advocate. Because to, to, all these celebrities are coming in. You see every other day a new celebrity promoting some sort of product. And we need to form this grassroots movement, which is open, far overdue, to start it to get the people on board to say that this is the right way to accumulate wealth. Even if you're low income, this is what you should, can be doing right now. Because, uh, again, between the prepaid debit card and a secured card with no fees, it does the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing, except the secured card it establishes, it establishes credit. The secured card doesn't pay fees what that prepaid debit card does, and the prepaid debit card doesn't establish credit. So there's no value in that. If I can offer you something that give you the, that you can use exactly in the same way that's free and helps you establish credit get back. So we're going to start this national movement soon. When I'm, at, I'm meeting with the Urban Financial Services Coalition at the end of this month. Uh, uh, we're meeting, we're talking to a few banks. I'm not going to disclose the banks we're talking to now because it looks like they might be supporting uh, this secure card. Uh, that's free. Again, I'm not going to get paid from it. You know, if it's a free card, so it's going to be a revenue neutral at least card. We're not going to make a lot of money off of it, but at least from the brand perspective and, and how they brand their business, that they're going to be that one bank that stepped out and said, you know, we're going to create something for the people that's not going to gouge them. And mm -hmm. we're going to be 
use it responsibly. So we we put a financial literacy component attached to the card where if the bank develops, the individual can actually learn about financial literacy as they're using a secure card, thereby helping them to pay their bill back on time and learning about the principles at the same time so they if they, they won't be late and have to charge interest. So these are the type of things that we're trying to do to really put less talk, more action into place to fight against these financial predators with education of the right way to go about spending your money and exposure of the negative things that they need to stay away from. This is absolutely incredible. Ryan, what is the web address for people to find out about this information and get more information about you? Well, please, they, they, we would urge individuals out there to go to LessTalkMoreAction.info. We're wrapping up this initiative. It's a, a national campaign for the underserved, LessTalkMoreAction.info. And if uh, they want to go to our not-for-profit organization, the Optimum Institute of Economic Empowerment, OptimumInstitute.org, OptimumInstitute.org. We're doing a lot of good work. Uh, we're always out there, and we're, we're, we're always willing to accept uh, donations or time from individuals who would like to partner with us to go into their various communities to do some work and to teach some financial literacy to those individuals of need. Well, my friend, you've got our 100% support of the Fleet Matthews Show. We'll help you do anything and everything to get the word out and spread it uh, and do whatever is necessary to do so. I think the work that you're doing is uh, not only uh, uh, needed and necessary, but it's, op it's absolutely timely. Uh, and it's on point. So I appreciate you doing what you do. Well, thank you for the work you're doing, Brother Philippe, and keep up the good work and getting that message out there. You're doing, doing some very informative interviews. Knowledge is truly power, so that you got to keep keep putting that knowledge out there so people can get educated. Very you got it, my friend. I want you to come back on the show and we'll talk some more, all right? Absolutely. Thank you for your time. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye.